Hello and welcome to part two of our podcast covering transition to partnership uh, with Anna Wesson from SAMSAS, who are a company that provide professional leadership and management coaching. Anna is an occupational psychologist and executive coach. And in this second part of our podcast, we're going to talk about what a business case looks like and also what my experience was of transitioning to partner. Now, two things that have been really valuable for me in my transition to part- partnership and, and whilst being a partner has been mm. mentoring and coaching. Can you just sort of demystify the difference between the two um, and why they are both important? Yeah, Let, let's start with mentoring then. Mentoring is really about um, somebody who has probably done the job before or something similar and can give you advice, can make suggestions for, um, have you thought about this? Let me introduce you to somebody that might be helpful. Let me um, tell you what I did and and what I recommend you don't do or that you do do. And and it's really that kind of, often somebody who's maybe a bit older, although that's not not universally the case, but who's who's done it before and can can explain the route that that they took and, and help you guide you through that. Coaching, on the other hand, is less direct well, or is non-directive. Um, it's it's about asking the questions that help you to get your thinking in place around what what you want to do. So it's about helping you make decisions, helping you um, overcome challenges, um, think about your future, but without somebody saying, "Oh, do this, do that." It's very much around asking the questions that help you to get there in terms of your own thinking. Was there another part of your question? I can't remember. Uh, well, I suppose whether what I think you've probably covered it to be honest in terms of what the values are, what's valuable about each um, mm. each each type of um, relationship, I suppose ultimately. And I, I think it's fair to say as well that that mentoring mentoring relationship probably you renew it with with mm. each stage of your development. So I know I, I had. A number of mentors over my career and they kind of slotted quite neatly I suppose into different parts of my career progress. Oh yeah and I think I think you can have more than one mentor at, at once um, I think you can have um, people who might mentor you around different things um, and, and a mentor relationship can be formal but often isn't it's often much less driven by we're going to meet regularly to discuss these things it's much more it can often be you know a, a coffee every six months with somebody to check in and and often mentoring operates in two directions so there might be that you support the mentor with somebody you know there's there's there can be some mutuality to the relationship which coaching doesn't have because it's it's a relationship based on um the coach helping the coachee to to figure stuff out often though we are talking about sort of Gen Zs, you know, millennials. Are you are you seeing any common themes appear uh, from? I'd probably say let's focus on the sort of Gen Z, uh, Gen Zs who might be starting to think about partnership, and perhaps the the younger end of the millennials um, sort of age bracket. Are you are you seeing any themes appearing around their appetite for partnership? What the challenges are for them? Yeah. And it's interesting you say, what are the challenges for them? I would maybe couch it as what are the challenges for the organisations they work for um, as much as as for them as individuals. I think almost all 
organisations that I talk to or work with are talking about the fact that it's harder to um, make a case for partnership. You know, it's written about in the press regularly, isn't it, that, that there's a different expectation around ours culture um, with younger people. Now, I also think it's important not to tar everybody with the same brush. There will, of course, be people who are absolutely happy to dial into that, um, you know, the commitment that you need to have to, to being a partner. But I think there's increasing reluctance to say, you know, that the, the younger um, people in organisations are looking at how hard some partners work and saying, do you know what, that's not actually that attractive to me. Or I can go and, you know, do things in a different way. I can, you know, go and be a consultant for a firm and, and have much more flexibility. I think those are some of the, the challenges for organisations. I think from the perspective of the individuals, I mean, it's slightly different, isn't it? I think there is a bit more um, opportunity to shape what you want and to not have to become a partner in a very linear sense. You know, I'm going to train somewhere, I'm going to um, spend my career there and I'm going to be a partner there. I think there's much more opportunity to move around, you know, move move between firms on a semi-regular basis. You know, every three or four years is not frowned on in the way it was um, you know, certainly when I was 20, people weren't moving in quite the same way. But I don't know if that's what you're seeing in, in Safri, but but people are moving around much more. They're maybe taking sabbaticals and coming back and it's still, you know, partnerships still being on the table. I think the opportunity to be a bit more creative is there, which hasn't been always in the past. Yeah, so I suppose if you were a managing partner listening to this, because it actually sounds more like it's it's almost the sort of current partnership that have the potential issue in the future, what would be on your sort of strategic radar around succession if if it's going to be harder to get sort of millennials, Gen Zs to the partnership table? For me, this is a really easy question. I think it's around creativity. It's around open-mindedness to... We don't need a very step-by-step way route to partnership, which looks exactly the same for everybody. We're happy to talk to people who've done things differently, talk to people who've um, set up their own businesses and done it, you know, in a completely different way and, and bring something different to the table. I think it's it's around understanding that there are lots and lots of ways to skin a cat on this. And um, I think the firms that are successful in the long term will understand that good people look different in terms of their experience and their path to partnership. Yeah, okay, thank you. We've kind of covered it, well, mentioned it a couple of times now around sort of, you know, staying with the same firm that you trained with as you develop Mm -hmm. um, through the ranks and also lateral hires or moving laterally they probably have different risks and rewards. Do you coach many people who are perhaps hitting a sort of ceiling where they are and actually it's almost having to coach them into the idea that they should potentially take the risk to move? So I would just step back slightly from that because I don't coach anybody into doing anything at all. It's very much around asking the questions that that would allow them to work out what their opportunities are. Let me tell you a story about somebody who I worked with at a law firm and she was, you know, one of those really high performers, senior associate, really, really doing incredibly well. Um, And she got to a point where she was like, people are being promoted around me to partnership and I can't quite work out why. And and so we did a kind of an analysis of what was going on and all the rest of it. And what it transpired was she hadn't got a sponsor 
So she had at no point identified that she needed somebody to advocate for her when she's not in the room. Um, and so she hadn't cultivated that person. And so nobody was there saying, oh, actually, XYZ wants to be a partner. Have we thought about her? Have we discussed her case? And so there we were and, and then opened the door for her to be able to, to work out, you know, was she determined to go and find that person within her firm? Was she going to work laterally and all the rest of it? And, and looking then at the landscape, she decided that she wasn't prepared to do that in the firm that she was at. They having not helped her to get the sponsor thus far, she wasn't prepared then to do all that work herself, which was absolutely her decision. And, and the lateral move was, was the next best option for her. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who realise that, that their firm, for whatever reason, there isn't enough work, there isn't a succession for them, that moving laterally is a good option, opens some doors to them, allows them to reset relationships, allows them to reinvent themselves somewhat um, in a partnership role. Um, and I think that can be that can be really healthy um, for some people. Um, particularly if they've always been regarded as, oh, he's very strong technically. You know, well, actually, I don't see myself as a technical expert. I see myself as somebody who's really good at business development, but nobody ever sees me as a business developer. Okay, great. So so maybe that lateral move allows you to to change that perception of you. And I think it, it's, it's increasingly a thing that is a, a good option for firms. You know, firms look at it and say, you know, who are we able to employ who maybe we wouldn't have access to that sort of talent if they were coming at partnership level, but, you know, they're going to transfer or, or they're going to move firms maybe when they're at, you know, one, one level below at director level, and then we can look at promoting them to partner down the line. So did uh, there was a long-winded answer to, a, to your question, but, but yeah, I think it's important always for individuals to think about what are their options and to think about those in, in kind of the cold light of day, because you know, sometimes moving laterally is a is a good option, and probably you're a, a good person to to give some insight into that. What what was your experience moving laterally? Um, so obviously positive um, in terms of where I ended up. Um, so I think all the things you're talking about in terms of what well, we talked about earlier around culture, values, etc. Also where where firms are heading. You know, I had a great opportunity to come and join Safaris. And the recruitment process, uh, quite rightly, was a long one. Um, but actually, it was a two-way um, process. So mm. I think if I was giving any advice to anyone looking at uh, moving laterally, I would ask to spend a lot of time with various different partners, um, with, the, the, with the potential new partnership. I think you get a good flavour for the culture the type of people you're going to be working with. Also, do you end up hearing the same types of responses or stories from different people? I think that always demonstrates that you're not just being told what people want you to be told. You know, you get a flavour for the diff for for the place and how they do mm -hmm. things. And you know, that's that's certainly what I felt as I, I went through the process with Safaris and. You know, it's it, it's wrong true. You know, you know, I'm four years in there. Um, it's it's definitely wrong true in terms of you know the culture values and everything we talk about to our people, our clients, to each other as as partners. So it, it does come down to your homework. Um, you know, there are lots of people I 
I can imagine that I've moved laterally and it's not been the, the, the best move for them. But I think having that two-way process is really, really important. So not rushing that I was was one of the things I heard quite clearly, that that, that yeah. long period of time gave you a chance to try each other out a bit. Yeah, I think most people, when they're partners, especially you know in the, in the corporate world where you're going to have a client following, I think it's important, or I definitely felt it was important anyway, to make sure that that was hopefully the last move, which sounds quite scary. I was sort of mid-30s at the time, but you want to have a client following. You don't want to keep having to move firms. So doing your sort of due diligence, I suppose, on on the new firm is, is really important. You know, you've got to work with uh, these people for, you know, 25, 30 years, um, hopefully. You know, you need to know what it's all about. Um, so, yeah, if the process looks like it's six months long, then so be it. You know, it's it, that, that's a good thing. And you both know each other quite well by the end of that process. So there's there's less surprise uh, when you're finally in and i suppose the, the question that i always like to ask of people who are in that situation where they're looking at, at different firms is what would you need to hear that would tell you this wasn't the firm for you you know that kind of idea of of, of what what would be the the game changers what would stop you in your tracks i think when you become partner and when i joined safaris i'd probably been working at partner level for a couple of years uh, before there's a there's a lot of pressure because you are having to build a portfolio and you know you are doing a new role ultimately if i was hearing that people weren't supported in that transition a, a key one for me and, and this born out of bad experience previously is around you know where new work goes you know if if work is just taken by one particular person and you know people aren't working collegiately together then that gives you a good indication of you know what 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 is being measured and you know how how collegiate you know that that partner group are so i think lack of support when you get there uh, being left to fend for yourself is probably the thing that would have it would it would you know if i was going to move laterally that would have been the things one of the things that would have yeah, definitely told me this is not the place to be mm. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting, isn't it, in terms of uh, what your considerations are. And my sense is those are different for everybody. You know, the things that, that each individual prioritises are going to be different, but knowing what those are for you is important. What are, what are your hard stops? And, and being really clear about those, even maybe before you start the process of looking at which firm you might be interested in. Or Yeah, it is, I think it is that thing of you take your values and you overlay them with the people that you might be working with. Um, and again, everyone's values are going to be different. Uh, doing that exercise is probably the best way of understanding what sort of firm you you should be working working at. Mm. Uh, and are there any considerations that you took into account in terms of how the partnerships are structured? You know, do you need to think about things? Is that information you get access to? So, you know, for me, I was quite keen to work in a partnership. And I think that structure can also drive quite heavily the actual way, the way people act and behave. Um, so that was quite important to me. Um, and hopefully if, if people are making that sort of lateral transition that, uh, or even, you know, in, in you know, that transition within the their existing firm, having that openness is also very important because 
you, you, you're ultimately probably going to be putting money into that firm as well uh, as you become a partner. So you want to understand what it looks like uh, when you're in there. Mm-hmm. Um, one question, another question for you, Jamie, in terms of development and how you thought about your skills growing, you know, going up through your career. Were there any things that you, any any activities that you undertook that helped you um, hone your the skills that allow you to be successful today? Yeah, so I think there are always, for, for people, there are always courses and things like that that stick in their mind around the skills that had the biggest impact on them. I would, I think there are two areas. There's leadership skills and there's also business development, understanding, you know, business development in a much more granular sort mm-hmm. of level. I've done a couple of courses you know, on both both sides, which um, I think if you can get a good leadership course and the same business development, I think those are two areas where you really have to sort of practice and develop your skills. Mm. Yeah. I think it's it's also important, one of the things that perhaps we haven't touched on is that partnership is not the only way to be successful in an organisation. Um, and, you know, I think quite often, you know, I, certainly my coaching is very much focused on transition to partnership, you know, as is this webinar. But I think there are lots of other ways that people can make huge contributions to their organisations, be incredibly successful without taking that step to partnership. And maybe they have a, you know, a different experience of the organisation, but not necessarily a, a better or a worse one, um, but just a different one. And I wonder if that's just something that that bears a little bit of um, time because we do get a bit obsessed with partnership perhaps. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. There's lots of roles for lots of different people and different skill sets. And, uh, you know, partners aren't good at everything. Um, you know, they, you know, all organisations need people that are good at various different things. And um, that isn't always someone that's got to be a partner. So yeah, there are lots of valuable contributions made by people that are non-partners. And it, mm. and and partnerships wouldn't work without them. So yeah, I think it's a it's a very important point to make. Mm. So. Um, go on then, Jamie. Do you have any top tips that you would share? I think making sure. I think one of the first ones would be becoming ha- happy and content with the idea that partnership is for you, um, and understanding the commitment. You know, it can be a long road. So being committed to that that process and sort of your own development, I think, and the development of your network, you know, your contacts, your skills as a as a technical practitioner probably, you know, you've got to have that sort of long-term view, I think. And I think keep keeping that in in mind as you you know probably come across lots of different challenges is really, really important. Mm. And what would you? What would your takeaway be, Anna, as we wrap up? Uh, yeah, I think the the thing that I've seen make the most difference, either positively or negatively, is is ensuring that you've got yourself front and center of this process. You know, as an individual, you need to think about what do you need to be successful. It won't look the same for other people, and it won't happen by accident. So, what are you doing to? Talk to people about what you want, get the feedback you need, prioritise yourself, um, which sounds like a selfish act, but it is the one that will make you 
successful ultimately. I'd like to say thank you to Anna for joining me on part one and part two of our podcast on transitioning to partner and providing her exceptional insight into an area that is so crucial when you're trying to move into partner role for the first time. For more insights into what we do for professional practices and financial services businesses at Safri Champness, please do visit our website at www.safri.com. And thank you for listening. I look forward to being with you for our next podcast episode.